This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. At the Wharton-sponsored Future of Publishing Conference held April 30th in New York, one of the panels looked at the changing nature of content, specifically the increasing popularity of user-generated content spilling forth from an ever-growing variety of sources. The panel included Catherine Zaleski, executive producer and head of digital news products for the Washington Post, and before that, senior editor in charge of special projects at the Huffington Post. Following her participation in the panel discussion, Zaleski spoke with knowledge at Wharton about her role at the Washington Post, the importance of packaging stories, why news sites have to offer other people's content, and what the future holds for investigative journalists, among other topics. I'm talking with Catherine Zaleski, who is the executive producer, head of digital news products for the Washington Post. Catherine, that's a title that probably wouldn't have existed a few a few years ago, perhaps maybe a few months, ago. months ago. <laughs> Can you tell us what that title means and what you do? <laughs> so I, uh, it's uh, I have this very interesting new role where I basically uh, I, I work very closely with the newsroom on everything from sort of headline writing to to story packaging. Uh, to SEO practices. Um, Can you say what SEO means? Search engine optimization practices, mm-hmm. um, that which means writing headlines that make sense for search engines, um, getting the right keywords into stories, things that are really essential to the business um, these days, and will continue to be so. Um, and so that's that's sort of my my role as, a, as an educator and and staying on top of, of what we do every day. Um, because I'm, I'm responsible for, for our traffic numbers and um, how many people we essentially bring into the site, uh, page views, uh, engagement. And uh, so, so having that role where I'm responsible for, for um, a big part of growth uh, means that I also work with the business side. And that's exciting because I, uh, I get to use our, our, our business... Uh, well, I get to use the sort of the 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 wherewithal, well, the knowledge on the business side um, to go out there and talk to companies that we should be partnering with. Companies that are really going to help us enhance our journalism, social media companies, um, and I also get to find figure out ways that we should be packaging our our journalism for the future. So, is your background editorial then or business? Uh, well, I was the senior news editor at the Huffington Post. Okay. So when I started there, which was about five years ago in May, May 2005, um, and it was about the second week that the Huffington Post had launched, uh, I was a news editor, and uh, the company has grown tremendously since then, as we all know. So I had this bifurcated role of, uh, well, I I really focus on editorial, but I had a front row seat um, to how a website grows, gets bigger, the essential people to add the, the deals that should be done, uh, and it's it very exciting. It was b- best education I could probably will ever have. <laughs> you you made a comment at one point that there's no way websites could aggregate information without the Washington Post, the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, etc., and that even Bill Riley wouldn't be able to have a show um, that that takes off after the New York Times if you weren't there. So um, that led into a discussion of the fact that there are packagers and there are originators. And you are trying to be an originator of new products at this point. Right. Um, 
so what can you can you talk about some of that? Yeah, well, I mean, I, first of all, I I think that the the current the world that we're in, um, where there are companies like like associated content and demand media, is is a fantastic world to be in because it just allows people to have more access to information in more ways. Um, so I don't I don't want to downplay at all um, the value of those companies and the value of social media, and and the value of uh, even uh, of Fox News shows uh, like that of Bill O'Reilly's because um, they they enhance journalism. But people that originate great content uh, that really know um, how to develop a story, um, who have contacts in the middle of Pakistan, who um, who know, you know. Um, who can sort of sense what's coming next, um, that's something that, that takes years and years to develop. And you can't just get that out of social media or um, companies that have sort of a, a completely freelance-based model. You need very seasoned editors who have been around for for decades. So. Sure. So, so obviously the Post is one of the great originators of content in the, in the world today. But you do have a packaging challenge, as you noted. For instance, working with editors on headlines, working on, on how stories are packaged and presented. So there is that side to the business that's getting increasingly important. Right. Um, for, for Is that something that you feel is going to get even more important, um, play a bigger role in journalism? Um, yeah, definitely. The thing is, every, a lot of people have the same content, and so it's really a fight for who can actually uh, make that content look better, make it more engaging, bring in better tools to enhance it, um, have the best conversation around it, have the best comments around it. So, you know, we—I'm not saying that that uh, everything that's on our site is original. That that would be ridiculous to say. I mean, we have AP content out there. We're now we're linking to other sources. I noted that we were linking to Politico, we, we linked to ABC, we linked to AOL. Um, you know, we understand that there are, there are many um, places to get your news out there, and we want people to all not see us as just one source. But um, if we want people to come and stay on our site, we need to recognize that, that our content alone doesn't doesn't take us, you know, Where you to the level be. we want to be sure. at. Sure. Did you, was there a pro, a, a, a you launched a, a, a product or whatever called Network News. Mm -hmm. What is that? It's basically, it's a Facebook um, iframe, and it's uh, something we worked with Facebook on for about four months. And, uh, you know, it's, it's available now to everybody. Designed to make it more social or to bring more? Yeah, so the idea was that that you know, people were leaving, people... People are going to sites like Facebook and Twitter to get news and see what their friends are sharing. So why not bring that onto the Washington Post? And um, also, why not sort of uh, put a, a good chunk of real estate on our homepage and to recognizing that people share news through their social networks and don't want just uh, news that's that's put up there for them? Sure. Uh, there was a question from someone who said, uh, which I was very happy to hear myself, that she wants to read dense, professionally written stories. Right. And she's concerned about what she called the intense so social surround sound. Uh, just just too much information, um, too much interactive information, perhaps. Um, so I'm just, you know, what is the challenge there? Uh, I mean, how can media companies figure out ways to handle uh, so much intense uh, conversation going on in such a way that, that 
people aren't overwhelmed, that they can actually make discriminating judgments about what they want to read and take in and listen to. Yeah, I think we have a role in actually helping people with that um, by doing what we do best, which is editing uh, and making sense of content. Uh, and if we can do that with social media, there's, there's a lot of value there. Um, I, I would be a great service to me if someone could um, take all the best sort of tech feeds out there um, and not just put them on the page as feeds, but, but really sort of point out what the best stuff. Um, and that's hard, but I, and I don't think many institutions are actually set up to do that, but, but that's what we do every day with, with the world. Right. So okay. why can't we do that with social media? The, the, uh, the site politico.com, which apparently was started by Washington Post people who mm -hmm. went out, um, and I, I guess the lesson, one of the lessons learned from that was that you can't, uh, you can't publish once a day. There's no more, you know, what's your deadline is no longer a relevant question. Mm -hmm. uh, and you, in fact, have changed uh, the post politics coverage with a new section launched uh, called, is it postpolitics.com? Yeah, postpolitics.com. Okay, and that's... Um, so basically, that's that's a new model for you. I mean, you'll be you'll be putting um, you'll be putting other people's political content that besides post reporters. Right. Is that correct? So that's um, I mean that's quite dramatic, and it must have been was it a hard sell to the to the political reporters or was this? <laughs> no, I, I I didn't I wasn't in the position to sell it to them. It's uh, it was driven by uh, you know the the innovations editor for the politics team, a guy named Paul Volpe, and then it came very much from the senior editorial leadership that, that this was instrumental uh, to, uh, to our future. The fact that, that we have to recognize that if, if we want to be the place for politics, which, which we still are, and we still get um, the most traffic um, in, in Washington. For, uh, so um, we, um, you know, we needed to recognize that uh, we ourselves can't be all things to all people, but we, what we can be is we can, we can edit and make sense of that universe that's out there. And in order to do that, we have to, to be more open, which is bringing in other people's content. Right. Um, another question was about the future of long-form content in, in the online space, since there seems to be a tendency often to shorten things and dumb them down. Um, how do you feel that's going to play out? Yeah, I, I mean, I... I think we might be confusing the fact that, that a piece doesn't have to all be under the same URL. Mm -hmm. okay. um, something can be long form, it just doesn't have to all be published at the same moment or under the same um, heading. Um, so there's ways to, to serialize content. Um, and I also talked about how, um, how there are these tools out there. Unfortunately, we, uh, we focus too much on the iPad during the, during the talk, but, um, but the, the the e-reader, the Kindle, um, all those tools um, give us an opportunity to explore long form uh, in, other, in other venues. Let me just close with one question. One, one of the speakers earlier this morning said that there's, uh, there are going to be fewer and fewer uh, journalists and fewer and fewer investigative journalists, maybe political journalists, uh, in, the, in the years to come. Uh, do you agree with that? And if so, what are the implications of that? I just don't. I, I, I think if you're going to have investigative journalists and you're really going to nurture them, you have to have patience for what they do. I mean, it takes months. Um, some stories take years to develop. And once it, once it comes out, you know, it, it can make an entire organization. But we're really we're part of this world where, um, which is you know, the, the Politico, 
uh, Huffington Post world, which is a great, great world in, in many respects. But um, it's also, you know, we, we need to, publishers need to understand that if they hire an investigative journalist, uh, it might take that investigative journalist a long time to put a piece out if it's going to be a good investigative piece. So I worry more about that from the, from the publisher standpoint. I mean, if the focus isn't there, then uh, there's no sort of capacity for the role. Good. Well, thanks very much for talking with us. <laughs> Thank you. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.